today. I'm joined by a repeat performer here, and it's been fun to watch this guy grow over the last couple years here in the coaching profession. He is now the receivers coach at Hawaii at the FBS level, and that's Brennan Marion. Brennan, great to have you here. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Coach, uh, you've done a lot here, man. You've been moving and shaking. You, I know you were, the last time we talked, you were part of the 35 for thir- under 35 at uh, AFCA. Uh, you wrote a book called The Go-Go Offense, uh, a lot of what you've done as a, a coordinator. And, um, you know, I think you've just done a great job in, in helping high school coaches out, too. I, I see you pretty active in um, being able to just uh, help coaches with what they're doing on offense and, and really, uh, you know, receiver play as well. No doubt. I mean, I've always tried to give back to the high school coach because I remember, you know, being a high school coach and being overwhelmed of, you know, just the day-to-day, how you're going to run the operations of everything and, and get it done. I got my first high school head coaching job at 25, so I I didn't know anything, you know, and I just wanted to learn from every coach that I came in contact with how to become a better coach. So, you know, anytime I get a chance to share with a high school coach, you know, I, I try to. And for you, uh, I thought this was interesting. This is the first time that you're actually coaching the position you played wide receivers. You mentioned you did it for a little bit at, at the high school level, but you, uh, to this point at the college level, have coached the other positions, not the wide receiver position. Yeah, I've been a quarterback coach, coached the running backs, you know, and to be a receiver who, you know, ultimately made it to the highest level um, at the position and not coach the position is, you know, definitely taught me a lot about learning the other positions and what goes on with them. But, you know, receiver, second nature. I did that, you know, for a long period of my life and got paid to do that. So, you know, it's it's good to be back home in my in, in my home position. You know, what? what's funny, Brennan, is that probably has made you a better coach moving away from your position and doing those first. I know I, I read a lot of coaching books, like uh, ones they use as textbooks in college and stuff. And I remember reading in the one something uh, that the, the professor called the expert blind spot, meaning that uh, you as a guy who would do it and was natural to you couldn't necessarily always see or I guess this is true for you know guys who do it and run into these problems they can't see maybe some of the things that uh for them just became natural and they're taking for granted that you know their athlete understands yeah I think the one thing that I did was that was unique for me is obviously I understand the scheme and the stuff that we wanted to run and you know what you want the quarterback to accomplish but um I never put myself in the shoes of actually being a quarterback because I never played the quarterback position uh, growing up. So what I did was had a guy named Sam Moore Jr. He was uh, at St. Mary's Rikens and, you know, a couple other guys out in Arizona just put me through the quarterback position. I actually went through, put my cleats on and became a quarterback for a day. So I understood exact intricacies of the position of what the quarterback needed to do. And I did the same thing when I was coaching running backs. I went through all the running back drills and understood exactly what the position entails because a lot of times coaches were screaming at guys, do this, do that. But we really don't know, you know, the demands of the steps and techniques and fundamentals that it takes, you know, if you haven't played that position. So what I did was unique in the fact that I took myself through the position and I'll kind of do the same thing this summer, taking myself through, uh, you know, the receiver position again, even though I know it, I still want to have some guys that, you know, are gurus or know what they're, you know, have been coaching the position for a long time 
take me through the position just so I can make sure I'm on point with the players. And I think that really ultimately helped me, you know, lead my quarterbacks to be successful is because I understood the, the rigors and demands of the position, you know, going through it myself. So I want to step back to something we talked about the last time, the go-go offense and, uh, you know, a, a book you wrote um, for coaches uh, I think it's still, you know, even though you're not necessarily running that anymore, I think it's an incredibly valuable resource to coaches. And so for those out there who haven't, uh, you know, heard about it, we will link to that podcast that coach did with us before on the go-go offense. But talk to us about exactly what that was. Uh, well, the book, me and Emory Hunt decided to put it together. And kind of like you said, right now I'm kind of taking a break from running it, obviously not being the coordinator. Um, but it was kind of the same deal. I created the offense in high school in around 2012. I got the idea. 2014, I took over an 0 and 10 team uh, with really low expectations uh, from the administration as far as you know what we had to do. And you, you know, I when we when we did it, we ended up being like the top offense in uh, state of Pennsylvania. You know, 500 yards a game and blowing it up and. You know, when I went to college, it was still I had to sit back and wait my turn to call plays again. And then when I got to Howard, we, we ran the offense and, you know, became top in the country, one of the top teams in the country in offense, running the offense. So kind of the same thing now is what I'll do, I'll cultivate it and keep working on it and learn from the guys that I'm working with now and learn some more pieces to it. But really what the book teaches you is how to engineer your own offense. A lot of guys don't know how to break down, you know, the step-by-step process to create your own offense so it gives you a systematic approach on how to develop and create your own offense from the ground floor so you're not copying and pasting from someone else obviously we all take nuggets from other people um, but it gives you a a platform on how to build your own thing you know and how to stack plays you know so you don't have to keep changing play names and confusing the players you really can just stack it on top of each other And, and really that's what the book teaches you and a lot of guys who have read the book you know and bought the book have really came back to me excited and, you know, implementing the scheme as far as, you know, what the scheme was for how, you know, I ran my own particular scheme, but also creating their own scheme, creating their own scheme of what the the book can do for you and, and your offense, creating your own deal. Cause I really just wanted guys to be more creative. You know, I, I'm a big football buff and historian and love football. And I really wanted guys to start, you know, let's get out of everybody running the same offense and let's try to, create some new things and that book really teaches you how to create your own thing so I think it definitely helps readers yeah and 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 again just to give a a little bit of of an overview I think that's an important topic you mentioned something there you know the the copy and paste mentality and not necessarily a good way to go about putting together an offense so um, you know an overview of the key things you think that that coaches need to think about when they're putting together a system that's going to fit their players well? First, you have to create a culture. I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't have a culture and how you're, how you're going to play the mentality of what your players are going to play. So first, the culture aspect is number one. That's what I talk about first in the book. Um, and then the personnel of what you have, how do you utilize your personnel and get your best players the ball because ultimately it's a player's game and you got to get the ball to the best guy and the toughest situation to win games. Um, so, you know, culture, personnel – um, and then it gives you an approach to how to do the same thing differently. You know, one of the best things that I learned from Coach Malzahn playing under him was, you know, putting some window dressing on it. 
and still doing the same thing. You know, you don't need a lot of plays. You need some plays that you run a, effectively and efficiently that your quarterback understands. But then just to change the defenses a little bit, you need to have different pictures that you present to them. So um, I think that's what I think that's what the book really, you know, harps on and focuses on. And I think those are the most important things on how can you do the same thing well? How can you get it to the, your best player? And how can you create that culture and temperament in which you want your players to execute the plan that you give them? Um, and once you can do that, then you can have a foolproof, you know, system as far as, you know, going about having a great offense. You know, we hear that all the time. It almost has become coach speak or clinic talk to put window dressing on something. And I agree you have to do it. Now, that I think oversimplifies it because that to me would be, okay, we're just going to throw that into this formation this week and that'll give it a different look. But it doesn't necessarily look like that from week to week, that there is, I think at least, a, a systematic approach to it in a way that gets you into some looks that will be new and different. Uh, to as far as presentation, but kind of optimal in you know the large menu you can select from. So for you as you're looking, let's you know just say from week to week, you're going into a week and you're having success with a set of plays. What's that look like for you to be do be able to do the same things, uh, but but different? I think you said it earlier just now. Just when you first initially install your offense, I think the more you put in, the better, because then you can come back to it later down the road when you need it you know so if you put in say 25 passes but you really are only using about six to eight or maybe 10 in a game but then you reinstall that same pass play that you put in the summer the kids won't be brand new to it so when you're in the season then you add something it's not you know a foreign language to the kids it's still something that they know it's in their book already Um, so I think putting in more early helps you like you said, be more versatile down the road as far as, you know, when you go out there and now it's like, all right, this is what I want to do. Instead of just introducing a whole new play and everybody's like, oh my gosh, what are we running now? You know, when you only have three or four days to prepare, now it's something that you've already installed and now you can throw it in there for a game plan uh, situation. And then, like you said, then it becomes something completely brand new. A team might not have solved, but you've already ran it and it's, and it's good for your guys. Yeah, and I think, you know, from my perspective, I'd like to look at two things. The structure of the defense we were facing, uh, what could we predict either from what they've faced before, maybe that we haven't done, uh, as far as how they might adjust. And probably even before that, though, personnel. So while we might use a a certain play a certain way, can we adjust it? Uh, again, not affecting us structurally, but can we adjust or give a di- different presentation of it that we attack a certain player that maybe we hadn't been f- focusing on, you know, that part of a defense, but this guy over here is one we could take advantage of. Let's, let's work to get against that guy. Yeah. I think anytime you can get your best player on their worst player, obviously it's, it's really playing basketball out on the perimeter. And then, you know, in the interior, it's, who can, you know, what are your best runs against what they do as far as structurally, if they're 3 4-3, 4-2, whatever their defensive structure is, who's their best D lineman, who can we double team if you do have gap schemes involved, their zone schemes, depending on, you know, how you can get that ball to the place that you want it to be because ultimately you know where you want that ball to hit and you know what players you want to get the ball to on the perimeter. It's just like you said, it's finding the matchups 
it's finding what the defense is giving up, you know, what are the explosive plays that they give up, what are they not good at defending, you know, and then you want to try to put that into your game plan because ultimately when they show a weakness, um, it's not like, you know, we're in, we're in the high school and college level. It's not like they can go to the waiver wire and get a new player. That guy's going to be there, and the guy behind them is probably worse. You know, there's a reason why that guy's starting and the other guy's not. So we want to try to find, you know, that weakness and just continue to just poke and prod at it as much as possible to create big plays, uh, you know, for us, you know, because it is an offensive game right now. Absolutely. Well, Coach, um, we move forward um, to where you're at right now as a receiver coach at the FBS level, and I think – you probably are at the place where you talked about where an offense needs to start. And, um, you know, certainly the culture of the program, the culture of the team, uh, everything has to align um, from every position. But we get our own unique ways to create uh, that culture within our position that that fits into, you know, the overall framework and the direction that, you know, the head coach sets. So for you, what are the important things as you're building your receiver position group, the things that are really going to become a, a part and, and be unique to uh, those guys and, and how they're going to operate as a, a position unit. Yeah, for the culture of all, for my skill guys for the last, you know, this will be my 10th year coaching is, you know, simple phrase that we use is how you play without the football determines how much you love your teammates. Play in such a way that they, that they honor you long after playing with them. You know, so that creates the selfless, the sacrifice for the team, the serving the team, the submitting to the team, because now I don't have to scream at guys. Anytime they do anything outside of, you know, being about the team, you can just show it. You can see it. And now the biggest thing is peer pressure. Guys don't want to look like a liar to their brothers, right? They don't want to look like, oh, man, you know, like a coach can yell till he's blue in the face. But another player looking at you and going like, man, you don't care about the team. You don't care about me has always resonated home with me and, um, you know, being a former team captain and stuff like that, just getting a chance to, when you really put the team on your back and you sell off for the team, everybody knows it. And when you don't, everybody knows it. And you can't fool the guys on the team, you know. And I think that's one of the things that we're working on creating right now, the guys uh, submitting and sacrificing for the team, you know, denying themselves and taking up the team daily is one of the things Coach Graham always talks about. But that's kind of one of the things that's always trended in the, the skill position groups and, You'll see my former players, they always talk about it. And when you get guys playing like that and selling out for the team, the guy's going to run the guy off as fast as he possibly can. The guy's going to block the guy when he has to. He's going to do the stuff on the backside of the play and act like he's on the front side of the play. When he knows he's not getting the ball, he's still going to run full speed, 100 miles an hour. And I think when you get everybody bought into that, you don't. it'll be hard to get every receiver in the room bought into that, but you only need, you know, four to five guys to play. So when you get those four to five guys to create that culture, then it gets contagious and it and matriculates onto the next guys because they understand I won't be able to play unless I hustle and have effort like these guys do for their team. So um, I think that's one of the biggest things is just how you play without the football determines how much you love your teammates. It's the biggest thing that we focus on. And then just how you do anything is how you do everything, like competing in every single thing. We want to win everything. We want to be first. We want to be the group that everybody can that uh, everybody can depend on. You know, a lot of guys think it's, what are they doing down there? What is that group doing? What is that group doing? No, we want to be the group that the team can look on and depend on and elevate the, the rest of the groups. You know, if we, if we take care of business and what we do 
in the weight room, the classroom, the community, the field, training, whatever the case may be, right, then everybody else sees that and it gets contagious and they uplift their group as well. So we want to be the one, you know, and, and everybody should look to us to be like, okay, that's the model. That's the example of how it's done. Coach, from a um, performance perspective, right, I, I do think when you flip on anybody's film, you can identify things that are important in their culture. So if I were to flip on the film and look at your receivers, what are the things I'm going to expect to see from how they're performing on the field specifically? Uh, the first most important thing, I don't think you can play the receiver position without catching the football. And we want to be guys that, that, that catch the football through contact. So you're going to see guys that even though it's a, a 50-50 ball, that 50-50 ball becomes an 80-20 ball or a 90-10 ball. Like, we're going to go up and fight for the football and get the football, come down with it, right? We're going to finish play. The next thing you're going to see from us is an elite blocking on the perimeter. We're going to own the edge. I think that's one thing that's really important that you put the – I always tell guys, you got to put the fear of God and the defenders on you on the perimeter, right? We want guys that are – that are dominating blocks down the field because those make the big plays happen for running backs, right? Because running backs protect for us when it's time for us to go down the field to make a play, so we need to protect for them when it's time for them to break into the second level and third level to make a play. Um, the next thing is we want to be uh, great route runners, right? We want to make sure that we can run the whole route tree. Not every guy has to run the route tree, but we want to have a, a multitude of guys that can come in and do different things, right? So Maybe we have a couple guys that are really good at just stretching the field. Then we have a couple guys that are really good at working the intermediate routes. Then we have a couple guys that are good at bubble slants, the short, quick game routes, right? So we want to make sure that we put guys in the right spot, right route runners. Uh, we want to be great at releasing off the football. We do not want to be standing around. We want to attack vertical at all times and everything that we do. Um, we want to get off the ball. Um, we understand that we're in a you know, race with the defensive line. Uh, to get to the quarterback, we want to make sure we get off the ball with great tempo. Um, and then the last thing is we want to have 100% ball security. We never want to put the ball on the turf. Uh, we want to make sure we take care of the football. And if the ball happens to be in conflict or, or chaos and gets away from us, we want to make sure that we go try to get the ball back and extend it and, and start a new drive for ourselves. And then the one thing I tell receivers all the time, if you want to get a paycheck and be a professional about what you're doing, um, is you want to be on special teams. All right, so we want to dominate special teams. We want to find a way to make an impact in the game. I think if you're a, a true competitor, anytime you can get an opportunity to make an impact on the game, whatever facet of the game that may be in, I want the players to go in there and, and try to try to make that happen. So I want, to, want guys that love special teams. We don't want, whether it's our first receiver or our last receiver, if you watch you know, Alabama, one, one of the uh, great players for Alabama is Najee Harris. He's a running back. Saw him score a touchdown one game and then go run down on kickoff the next play. You know, that's what we want from our receiver room. We want guys that are scoring touchdowns, making big plays, but in the same same token, going out there on special teams and making impact and big plays in the game as well. So um, I think those are the things that really hit home uh, for the receiver room. So, Coach, looking at practice, um, individual period especially, you know, uh, your guys are going to be doing a lot of running in, you know, Skelly, in team – uh, just by the nature of the position. So how are you going to be efficient with your time as well as making sure you you uh, preserve these guys' legs some in your individual periods? Yeah, the hard thing about a receiver now, especially um, I, I wasn't able to track this one. I, obviously, when we played, when we were players, but 
you know, in an up-tempo offense, you're going to get about 4,000 to 9,000 yards of practice, right? Uh, just, just running, just on your feet time, right? So you'll probably have 150 to 300 hard yards, full sprint all out as fast as you can yards during a practice. So you have to find ways to, to mitigate, you know, leg injuries and making sure guys are, you know, upright like you're talking about. So how we're going to maximize that is making sure we come out and pre-practice. I'm going to work a short box of drills. Everything that we do is going to be in a short space, okay, because when we get to team and seven-on-seven and and different things, that's when we get to open up full speed. So we're going to do the last five of the drill. You know, instead of doing, you know, back in the day you'd have cone drills far out, 20 yards, and you're doing all these max range drills, and then you go to – and your legs are just worn out. Um, We're going to shorten those drills up, shorten the spaces up. The fundamentals are the fundamentals and the techniques are the techniques. We're still going to have to work those and get those in. We're just going to shorten up the space that we do those. So we're going to be really efficient and fast and understand it, you know, in our pods, position optimization drills that, that I tell the guys. We're going to make sure we shorten those things up to save their legs, but we have to be really great at what we're doing in our, in our short spaces that we're doing things in. So guys take advantage of that. I think when you know the work and know your workload, I think they take more advantage of, uh, you know, really working through the indie drills and doing them at an efficient pace. So um, we're just going to shorten the boxes up for them and not make everything so spaced out because we know when, when it's time to really run the routes and really compete, we're going to get that spaced out environment. So we're just going to have a more condensed environment for those guys to work and, and do the drills. What's the best way to get these guys blocking? And as you said earlier, being able to, you know, spring guys from, from big games into, touchdowns i think they have to understand it's, it's kind of like um as a receiver you really don't understand um you, you know when i first started out receiver it was really hard to catch a quarterback who throw really really hard right until you get on the jugs machine and then you realize okay well he can't throw harder than the jugs machine right and then that helps your catching right so the same thing goes for blocking i think you know, you want to do a catch-the-train drill, what I call it. It's really just getting the fear out of guy's heart. A guy coming at you full speed, you're sitting in your spot, boom, and, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you shock him when he comes to you. I think that kind of takes alleviates the fear out of it because not everybody is just naturally violent and just goes out there and just wants to crush people. Now, you have some special receivers, you know, the Heinz Awards of the world, who are like that and just love that type of physicality, but not every receiver is used to that. So I think you have to get that in them. You know, obviously take the fear out of their hearts. Um, I think you have to be violent with bags. Um, it's kind of like karate practice. You know, if you won't hit a bag hard, you won't hit another person hard. I think you have to teach people how to be violent. Um, and then when you get to, you know, I think they have to understand force and understand who's the next, you know, if you're on the strong side and you have to, you know, push crack and go get to safety, you have to understand those things. And what type of path do I take and how do I get that accomplished? I think you have to practice those things. You know, instead of just screaming at a guy to get it done, I think you have to practice how to actually do that. You know, and I think, um, you know, when you put those drills together and you stack them together, I think the first one is just getting the fear out of their heart and teaching them the violence through the bags and through the through the sled. Um, and then, you know, letting the violence show up on film. Now, when you get to compete drills versus, you know, the DBs, W drill, whatever the case, whatever the drills that you use to get some violence going against the competitive uh, another uh, another defender. Uh, well, Coach, the other thing you and I talked about before we got going is, you know, you, you've been able to 
develop the underdog. So whether that's an entire offense, whether that's helping with the team, whether that's a certain position, talk to us about how you develop an underdog. Um, I think it's, I think uh, people don't realize the impact of how powerful your, your words are, you know, encouraging somebody, believing in somebody. I think that's really a lost art. I think people wait to see what somebody becomes and then they support them. I think that's kind of what our society is right now. But I think, you know, I was blessed with, you know, coaches who looked at me and told me I'd be an All-American, I'd be All-Conference, and I'd, and I'd make something with my life. And, you know, I think that really resonates with people who really do have the, the passion and drive and the energy and want to get it done. I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of players really want to be great. Everybody kind of wants to be great, but they really don't know or have that plan or that vision or somebody pouring into them. So really how I've been able to get guys, it's, it's not that, you know, I'm not, I'm not God or, you know, I've sprinkled some fairy dust on them. These guys do the work. Um, it's just that, you know, when I look at them, I believe in them and give them a plan and tell them exactly, you know, what I want them to become and, and how they're going to accomplish it. And really I hold them to that standard each day. Once a guy shows me a glimpse of greatness, you know, it was like, uh, I always talk about Kalen Newton, right? He was a back-to-back All-American for me at Howard. And the first game of the season, he had 200 yards rushing and he had the biggest upset in college football history. So for every practice, every day, every single thing, I held him to that standard. It's your, you got to be like that every single day. You got to practice at an All-American level every single day. You got to be that guy every day. And then, I mean, it's really just, have an accountability partner, and then doing the work. I mean, he did all the work and all the things that came with it. And kind of every guy that I've, you know, had over time has been been the same way. Once they show you a glimpse or, you know, really say they want it and they give you their goals, then it's your job as a coach to get them to what they said that they wanted to become after you kind of gave them the parameters. So um, being that accountability partner, pushing them to – you know, once you have that relationship with them, I think when you really build that relationship and it's one-on-one and you spend a lot of time with a guy and you know what he is, you know who his family is, you know what makes him tick and go, you're able to push him a little bit more and just keep pushing him and keep pushing him and keep pushing him till he gets, at the end of the season, he looks up and he goes, wow, I'm an All-American. And I was like, yep, that's what we were doing all this stuff for. And then it restarts. Then you're pushing him again. You know, so I think those are the things that's kind of helped me uh, with with guys, uh, developing guys like that. And then the next thing would probably be just, you know, I, I talked about it earlier, just believing in, you know, whether they have a good game or a bad game, it's all about the next game and just continue to believe in them and not just writing them off, you know, because we all make mistakes. I think I, I didn't forget how it felt to be a player as a coach. You, you know, you're going to have – there was games where I couldn't catch a pass and then there's games I had 200 and something yards receiving, you know, just – you got to continue to believe in a guy, you know, through the, the peaks and valleys. So um, that's my that's my deal on development, the relationship, the the encouragement, the, the pushing and pouring in nonstop. I think you have to praise what they're doing when they do something well. Um, it can't just all be, you know, pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and no praise. Um, I've been I've been called. I promote my players too much, but if you understood how much I was pushing them. You'd, you'd see that they need that promotion <laughs> if you understood the level of how how hard they were getting pushed. So um, that's that's kind of how, how I've done it with the developing guys. Well, Coach, I'm excited for you here as you 
uh, have climbed the ladder and you made you made that jump to the FBS level and excited to see how you develop your receivers here in 2020. Certainly best of luck to you and your team as you move forward. Thank you, man. Continue to keep doing a great thing for coaches. I love listening to the show. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that, Coach. Before we go, Coach, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's just at Brennan Marion, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N, the number four. All right, Coach, thanks again, and I'm sure we'll talk again here soon. All right, brother. Thank you.